Okay, tonight is a very, very special night, especially on the Chabad calendar. Today is the yard site of the Balatanya. Rabbi Shneir Zalman, Balatanya, Shulchan Aruch, the first Rebbe of Chabad. Um, the disciple and successor to the great Magid of Mezrich, who was the disciple and successor of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, he passed away on the 20, 24th of Tevis, which was today. And in fact, he passed away at running away from Napoleon. Right, this is during the war. Napoleon is attacking Russia, attacked Russia. And it's interesting, I'm not going to go at length into the history of the events, but there was a great debate amongst the tzaddikim, the great tzaddikim of the time, who to pray for. Which, uh, which, side? which side? The Tsar or Napoleon? Which does sound, you know, you know, a strange type of question, but this was life and death for the, for the biggest um, body of the Jewish people. This is the Jewish people of Russia, Europe, France. This is, the, this is where everyone's at. And the Tsar was an anti-Semite and was cruel to the Jewish people always. And Napoleon was promising freedom and emancipation. And he was a Democrat to a degree, <coughs> a liberal. So he had some tzaddikim who they felt that we should pray and put our efforts behind Napoleon. He's going to free the Jews from their, the, 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 won't be the, the uh, pogroms and the, the, dif- the different types of decrees. So some great tzaddikim felt that they should daven for Napoleon, and they did. And they got their chassidim and so on to go to daven for Napoleon. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, was a staunch, staunchly against that. He was a big supporter of the Tsar against Napoleon. And he said that under the Tsar will suffer more physically, but under Napoleon, there'll be, everyone will come up Bikursim. He says uh, Napoleon will open everything up and there will just be uh, sim- total assimilation and too much. And he said, and he was, he didn't, he spoke about this and wrote about this. He went to the extent of having some of his great Hasidim um, offer their services to the Tsar's army. And I'll just say one quick Misa. One of his great Hasidim was a Hasidim, his name was Ramosha Meisels. Ramosha Meisels was a genius um, in Torah, a tremendous Torah scholar, but also genius in languages. And, and at his Rebbe's behest, he offered his services to the Tsar's army. And he became, he, was, he knew many languages. And he became a spy for them. He worked with the Napoleon's top generals because he was a language, you know, he was a linguist and he was able to uh, translate things. And he relates, he says, the one time I was, I was in the office, in the war office, war room of the top generals of Napoleon. And suddenly the door bursts open and Napoleon runs him, Napoleon himself. And he runs and he says, there's a spy in the room. He ran over to me and he put his hand on my chest just to feel if I'm going to miss a heartbeat. Because... You understand, Napoleon can have the guy killed in a second, right? He says, my heart remained perfectly calm. Napoleon felt, he said, there's no way this guy's a spy, and he's, he was off the hook. And he said, it was what I learned from my Rebbe when I learned Tanya, the idea of how a person can be so in control of their heart, that, that saved my life in that second. I was able to be fully in control of my heart. Wow. Be that as it may, when Napoleon did enter Russia, because initially he did enter Russia, the Alter Rebbe escaped. Napoleon knew that the Alter Rebbe was railing against him. And the Alter Rebbe escaped. And, and he ran deeper and deeper into Russia, into the area that's today Ukraine, into a place uh, called uh, a city, a little village called Piena. And he was traveling with a number of Hasidim, and he fell sick, and he passed away. Mitzvah Shabbos, the 24th of Tavis. It was in such a little village that there wasn't even a cemetery. There wasn't a place to bury him. And they had to carry him, they had to take him a number of miles away to a place called Hadich. And that's where there's a cemetery and that's where he's buried. And uh, typically, on a day like today, you'd have tens of thousands of people coming to his burial site. Wow. But not this year, because of the war that's raging in Ukraine. And therefore, there are some people there, saw, I've seen some pictures, but much less. I mean, some of my children would go to, to Ukraine, to Hadich for the yard site. But this year, very few people, just because of the war. 
Anyhow, today is his yard site. His name was Shneor, Shneor Zalman. Right? The Baal, when he was born, the Baal Shem Tov said he's, his name is Shneor. Shneor means two lights. Shneor. And he said he's going to bring, he's going to bring light to the two areas of the Torah, the revealed parts of the Torah and the secrets of Torah. The Bafanta said this when he was eight days old. He says the revealed parts of the Torah, later he went out to write the Shulchan Aruch Harab, um, one of the most classic halachic works in the last couple hundred years. And in Chasidus, the time he had looked at the Torah, the, you know, the hundreds of Maimarim of Chasidus, so he grew up to be Shnei Or. Interesting. The name, what's the, where does the name Shnei Or come from? What does that mean? Shnei or. In the Chumash, you don't have a Tanakh, you don't have Shnei Or. So there's an interesting Maharshal. He writes that the origin of the name Shneor is that there was a child who was born and the mother wanted to name him after her father and the father after his father. Seems like in the olden days sometimes spouses argued. That's what it sounds like. So, I mean, it's hard for us to relate to this. So the mother's father, his name was Meir. The father's father, his name was Uri. So they went to the Rav. And the Rav said, no problem, Shneor. Yeah. Both names are light. Meir is light. Uri is light. Mm -hmm. And this brilliant Rav created a name called Shneur. And that became a name in the Jewish people till today. And today it's the name of you know, tens, of tens of thousands. But the idea of Shneur is two lights. And the Torah has the two lights. The two basic lights of Torah is the revealed aspects of Torah, which is the Gemara and the Medrash and the Halacha and the Mishnah. And then there is the Sod, the secrets of the Torah, which is the, the Zohar and the Kabbalah and the Hasidus and so on the deeper level and the deeper realm of Torah. And the, this great tzaddik embodied in his name that he brings them together. Shnei Or, the light of the revealed and the light of the concealed, the esoteric parts of Torah. And this is a tremendous tzaddik. This is Yarsay tonight. His uh, memory and his chus should be a chus for all of us, especially who are disciples because we learn his Torah in one form or another. We learn from his Torah and therefore that's a tremendous chus for us and should be for us and for our family, for Kuala Yisrael. Let's say over um, an idea or two from him on his, on his yard site in, in the relationship to this week's Parsha. The Parsha begins, this Parsha's Va'era. By the way, I can't just contain myself from saying. He always, his yard site is always in Parsha's Va'era. Let's think about the word Va'era. What are the letters there? You have Or, Aleph, Vav, Resh, and then another, another Aleph for the second Or. Two Ors, Aleph, Vav, Resh, and Aleph, right? One Or is spelled out, one is not. Revealed light, concealed light, right? Nigla and Panemius, it's in the name of the Parsha. Everything is always connected with the Parsha. Uh -huh. You got that? Yeah. Or Aleph. Yeah. Okay. The Parsha begins, Hashem talks to Moshe and he tells, tells him, Ani Hashem. Then he says, I did appear to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Bekel Shadoi. Sometimes you say Shakai, whatever. With, with, Another name of mine, but Shmi Hashem lo nodati lahem. I didn't tell them my name Hashem. The idea being, the beginning of this expression is about various names of Hashem, right? And clearly, the Torah is telling us Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu. He says the Avos were great, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. These are the Avos of our nation, and they were tremendous people. And I revealed myself to them, but with a lesser name, a lesser level of revelation. The name Hashem, which we call the Yudke Vavke, that I did not reveal to them. Why is Hashem telling Moshe Rabbeinu this? What's, what's the message? By the way, you should know, I'm going to give you something they didn't have. What's, what's the point? Why is he telling him that? And the way that the Alter Rebbe explains this, in his Maimur, in, in one of the Maimur, in this week's Parsha and Teror, he says the following. In the end of last week's Parsha, last week's Parsha finishes with a uh, difficult Pasuk, where Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Hashem and he says, 
What's going on? He says, He says, why, why are you, why are you hurting this nation? You know, and, and not just that, why do you send me? Right? You sent me ostensibly to help them, and I hurt them. Because as we know, as the story unfolds, that in the end of last week's parsha, not only did Moshe Rabbeinu's entreaties to Paro not help the Jewish people, it actually hurt them. Because Paro increased the decrees and made them much more terrible. And, and, and Moshe, this is so difficult that Moshe Rabbeinu, obviously totally uncharacteristically, but there's no other place in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu does this with this level of, of taina to Hashem. Why are you doing this? So the beginning of this week's parsha is a response. And the way the Alter Rebbe sees it is what Hashem is telling him is the following. He says, it's hard for you to understand this, why I'm doing this to the people. But through this, they're going to be able to receive and connect to a way higher level than anyone ever did before, even the Avos of Ram Yitzchak and Yaakov. In other words, we have the concept that we've talked about in the past called Yerida Tzorech Aliyah. Sometimes we have to go through a state of descent in order to ascend to a higher place than we were beforehand. And that's what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu. You ask the question, a good question, why did difficulty happen to the people? Why was there such tsaris? The answer is, because I have something in mind that I'm trying to bring them to. And in order for them to get there, they have to come, go through this very difficult and, and breaking and humbling and, and hurting experience, which is going to allow them and open them up to a whole different form and level of revelation. And this is a rule, that whenever we see someone or something or people going through a difficult place, a difficult time, we believe that Hashem is only doing it in order to bring us to a greater place. There's no, there's no question that this gullus, this exile that we are at the tail end of is, has been longer than any and more difficult than any right we're coming off uh, the holocaust and, and the inquisition and, and, and then the crusades and all the terrible stories of our time why so much difficulty the answer is the same because Hashem wants to bring us and will bring us to a place that's even higher and greater and a descent is necessary for Hashem's reasons in order to get to that higher place. Now, that face said, why? Why can't we get to a higher place without a descent? No, my question is, but American Jews have had it better than any Jews in history, probably. So are we, are we simply about to face something along the lines of the Holocaust or terrible? To, or, shalom, or, or, I, shalom, to, the, con so, to the contrary. To the contrary. All the early Israel tell us that we're at the end. We're, the, we're, we're feeling the beginning of after all of that. In other words, the lowest point of everything was the Holocaust, and now we're on the way up, and Hashem should give it any day. But that's what we hear from all of our G'daylim of the last 50 years, that we've gone through the, the depths and are on the way up and out of it. And America has a special spiritual role in that? Listen, Why as, here? As, as I've said in the past, not everything can I reveal to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, you, you got to pay more for certain answers. We, we can talk about Stay this afterwards. Next week. Come next right. week. Right. I'm sorry, you want to say something? As you were talking, maybe there's a connection, maybe not. You said the author of chose that he chose Tsar Russia with all the anti-Semitism and the difficult times, possibly connected with what you're saying now that you have to go through the difficult times. For maybe the author saw that you had to go through those times to bring you into higher Madriga. Now I know the reason too is that it's enlightenment and right. you know, the rest. Could be connected. Could be connected. What he actually said was the idea that I said, but it was that concept as well. 
Very well. Let, but I want to go a little bit further into understanding these names of Hashem, just a little bit, to, to touch it at least. We have here, again, two names that are referred to here. It says, I revealed to the Avos with the name Shindalad Yud. Right? Vaira Alavram Bekel Shadoi, the name Shindal Yud, which by the way is the name of Hashem that we have in our mezuzah. Right? On the back of the mezuzah we have the Shindal Yud. It's not used very often, right? It's not used very often, but we do have it on our mezuzah and it has an interesting remez to it on the mezuzah, and that is Shomer Dalsos Yisrael, that God watches over the doors of the Jewish people. So it's a powerful name of Hashem. And Hashem says, that's the one I used when I talked to the Avos. But you are going to connect to the name of the Yud and the He, followed by the Vav and the final He, which is a higher level of divine revelation. But what do these names actually stand for? So it's interesting. Is that Pshuto, by the way, what you just said? That what? That God, you don't see Yud Kevoke or uh, Adnai or well, something related, God talking to the Avos? Well, that's what it says. It's Shmi Hashem lo no dati lo that's what the Pasuk says. I mean, you might find it somewhere which will need explanation. But, no. but the, the basic idea is that the level of this name right. is something that comes later after the giving of Torah. Right. So, I want to talk for a couple of moments about the name Shin Dalid Yud. Where it comes from. So where was it used first? And here's something very interesting. We find Shin Dalid Yud in two interesting places. Um, in Parshas Lech Lecha, when Hashem reveals, it comes to, to Avram Avinu, and is going to give him the mitzvah of bris milah, which is the first mitzvah given to us as a, as a Jewish people. Right? Avram is the first year. The first mitzvah he receives is the mitzvah of bris milah. So when Hashem comes to him, he says, Avram was 99. Hashem appears to Avram. That's where we find that name mentioned first. Hashem says, I am Hashem. Again, Shin Dalad Yud. What does the word mean? What does the word mean? Shaddai. What does it mean? So, in Gemara, in Mesechta Chagiga, and again, if I would have my printouts, I would have printed out that piece of Gemara, so you'll have to trust me on this one. In Chagiga, it says that Shaddai comes from the word Sha'amarti Le'olami Dai. I told my world enough. And the Gemara goes on to say that when Hashem said there should be heavens, the heavens started being and they just started going and going and going until Hashem said, die, which means enough. So that's what Shaddai means. Shamarti le'olami die. I told the world enough. I created boundaries. I created limitation. So that the name Shaddai is connected with limitation, the limitation of creation. Obviously, if Hashem says there should be, there could be infinite. Because Hashem is infinite. So Hashem could have said, let there be the sky, and the sky could have been infinite. Why not? But Amarti lo lami dai. That's what the Gemara says in Chagiga. Rashi, when it says here, Ani kel shadai, Rashi brings a medrash. The medrash says, Anihu sheyeshdai be'elokusi l'chol bria. I have enough to give every creation. Both have the word die, right? We're looking at the name Shaddai of Hashem. So the word die means enough, or enough, die. die. Even in modern Hebrew, they'll say die, enough, right? Genugasha, die. Right? Same idea. So that means enough. But here we see that the word enough is used in two ways. In the first way, enough was Hashem said, stop, right? He put limitation. The other one that Rashi brings from the Medrash is almost opposite. He says, I have enough to give everyone. So that's 
That's not cutting it short. That's saying, I have. You need something? I got it for you. You need more? I got it for you. And l'chol bria obria, to every creation. Hashem has multitudes, myriads of creations, whether they're the greatest malachim in the world or the, or the ant in the, in the, in, in, in the, on the earth. It's all Hashem's creations. Hashem, I have enough for everyone. The malach needs, the ant needs, anyone in between? Sure, I got it. So both of them mean enough. But one of them is a limiting enough and one of them is a, I have enough. That means I have everything to give everyone. So think about it, two different meanings of the name Shaddai. The difference being, one was from the beginning of creation, and one was when Avram Avinu was involved. Right? Right when Hashem created the world, dear Shaddai was just limiting creation. It was the limits on creation. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Tzadikim are coming and bringing godliness into the world, then we move up to a higher form where Hashem says, Dai be'elokusi, I can give, I can give, I can give. So both of these names, they're both the same name, both of these interpretations of the Shindal Yud mean enough. One is the limitation of creation and one is that Hashem has enough to feed and to sustain and to give to every detail and aspect of creation. All of that is wonderful. Says Hashem in our parsha, all of that was before the giving of Torah. Now you went through Mitzrayim and now we have the giving of Torah. Now I'm going to reveal to you a whole different level of godliness, which is the name Yudke Vavke. What does that name stand for? When we say Yudke Vavke, when we say Hashem's name in Davening, what do we think? Which is the infinite aspects of Hashem. The aspects that are above creation altogether. We don't understand what that means, past, present, and future, because that's beyond us. We're human, we're creations. By us, time and space is just the foundations of what we are. So when we say Yudke Vavke, when we tell you that name of Hashem, we're talking about a level that's above and beyond. Above and beyond both interpretations of the name Shindalit Yud. Following? Shindal Yud is all about limitation. The world is limited. I have enough to feed everything in the world. But it's a level of Hashem that's somehow worldly, connected to the world and connected to recreation. And that's what this world was able to receive until the giving of Torah. When Hashem gives the Torah, He comes down to earth and He says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, and reveals godliness like never before. As we say in the davening, as we say in Chumash, Ata Haresa Ladas, that then by Matan Torah you showed that God, God, God is everything. And that is what we were able to receive only through going through that very difficult goal of Mitzrayim. And that's what Hashem was answering Moshe Rabbeinu in the beginning of this parsha. Why did we do, why did Hashem do something so difficult, so terrible? Hashem says, you're right, and it's painful for me as well. As we learned in last week's parsha, that Hashem appears to Moshe in a thorn bush. As Rashi says, Imo Anochi Bitsara, it's painful for me as well. I'm not doing this because I enjoy this, but it's necessary in order to bring them where I want them. And I want to bring them and connect them to a level of godliness above and beyond even what the Avos were able to accomplish in their lifetimes. Now, the Avos were tremendous Sadiqim, way beyond us. But nevertheless, they were just preparing the ground for ultimately the giving of Torah. And then a regular person is able to do a mitzvah that's something that the Avos never had. The novice didn't have that. So they were preparing and they were bringing the world to the best place that they could possibly do. And ultimately through their, through their avodah, we, their children, are the beneficiaries of that and have what's called, what, what he calls there in that mimer, the Alter Rebbe, the gilui shem havaya, the gilui of Yud Kivavke, the, the revelation of levels of Hashem that are above and beyond creation altogether. Now, 
similar to what we said, we said earlier. So we have the Avos, which is they're doing their Avoda. Then we have the difficulty, yes, bondage of Mitzrayim. And then we come to a much higher place. Similarly, our whole Avoda now is also preparatory, preparing ourselves and the world for a much higher place with the coming of Mashiach. So just like the Matan Torah versus the Avos is a higher level through, for which we have to go to Mitzrayim, Mashiach versus now is a higher level for which we're going through this, this Golos in order to get to that point. So it's all really, it's the same concept of ascending to a higher place through doing our avoda and reaching a higher level, hopefully very quickly the level of the coming of Mashiach, which is the final and greatest revelation of Hashem. That's one idea from a mimer of the Alter Rebbe. We have a few more minutes. I'll throw in one more idea also from a mimer of his, in honor of his Yerzeit, a very beautiful and much more simplistic idea than the first one. Um, what is the first miracle that Moshe Rabbeinu shows Paro? This week's parasha. I'm sorry? The, right, the stick and the snake. Exactly, right? Later he's going to give, he's going to do the other makos and dumps for Akinim. The first thing is, he takes his stick, throws it down, staff, throws it down, it turns into a serpent, turns into a snake. And as you know, the end of the story is that um, he takes it back and turns back into a snake, but not just that, the, this his stick swallows their snakes. And that's the opening. Now, his stick swallows their snakes. Right. Because after his serpent or snake turns back into a stick, their snakes are still running around all over the place, and his stick swallows up those snakes. Okay. Obviously, this makes for great visuals. <laughs> I mean, and you know, just imagine if this was in 3D. But why? What was the point of this very bizarre type of miracle? And of course, you know, it, it was it was it was shocking and it was miraculous and it was wonderful. But there's got to be meaning to the fact that Hashem shows exactly this form of 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 nace of miracle as the first step that Moshe Rabbeinu shows Paro. What is the deeper significance and meaning of the two-part miracle of a stick turning into a snake and then the snakes coming back and turning into the stick? What, what is the deeper significance the stick, of that? The, stick's being eat, the stick eating the snake. Right, right. But he doesn't, he doesn't break it into all those steps. He, just, he talks about a stick turning into a snake and snakes turning into a stick because that's ultimately what happens. Snakes turning into a stick? Oh, right. all, the snakes became, all the snakes became this stick. stick. Right? So one stick turns into a snake, other stick turns into snakes, and then all the snakes come into the stick. What is the deeper significance and meaning of this mace? And he says a very beautiful idea. The idea is the following. Everything that is in this world, we know and believe, comes from Hashem. Everything, including the things that we look at are bad and terrible and unholy and evil, they also come from Hashem. Because that's a basic of our belief. Versus other beliefs, right? There's other belief systems that have two sources. There's a source of good and a source of bad. There's the holy and the unholy, right? So there's like two creators. Yiddishkeit is all about there's oneness. It only comes, everything comes from one place. Right? Um, I've, I've told you about the, uh, the guy who sent his kid to a Christian school. It was a Jewish guy, but he didn't care much about religion. He sent his kid to a Christian school because there was a good math program there. And after a while, the kid comes home and starts talking to his father, and he says, you know, Dad, there's a God, and there's a Trinity, and there's a Holy Ghost, and a Holy Father, a Holy Mother. And now the father's getting irate. You know, he's not religious or anything. He calls them, and he says, Samuel, listen. He says, this is Narishkeit. There's no three gods. There's only one God, and we don't believe in him. But there's only one. The three is just ridiculous. That makes no sense. So we know everything comes from only one place. But so why do some things look bad? Why are they unholy? Why are they evil? Why are they against the Torah? The answer is 
because as it comes down from Hashem, certain things become captured in negativity. And that's why, what is the Kabbalistic name for anything unholy? Give me the one name in Kabbalah for all unholiness in this world is Klippa. What does Klippa mean? A shell. Because it's just covering over the holiness that's within it. Just like our neshama. Our neshama comes into our body and so, suddenly is covered over. Suddenly we don't feel it every day. So within a, each and every one of us there's a neshama. Within everything in the world it's a neshama. But as it comes lower and lower and lower, the neshama becomes covered over. And it's ultimately our job to reveal the neshama and elicit the holiness from everything in this world. And ultimately, again, when Mashiach comes, there won't be any more impurity in the world. And the neshama of everything will be revealed. The neshama of everything will be revealed. Okay, stick and snake. What is a stick? Think about it. What's a stick? A stick is a long line representing how things come down from Hashem. Step, 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 step. Like our neshama started up who knows where under the kisya covered it comes down, 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 down into me. Down, down, down into someone else. Down, down, down to someone else. The further down, the more crass, the more unholy, the more klipa, the more shed. Right? So the stick turns into the snake. What does a snake always represent in Torah? The unholy, the first problem, the Yetzirah, the Malach Amavis, was that snake, that first snake. So the stick turning into the snake is the story of everything as it comes down from Hashem and turns into something that looks very negative and very unholy and very evil and very wicked, but it also comes from that stick. So Moshe tells Paro, I want to give you a lesson on what's going on here and what's going to happen. Sticks come down from Hashem, everything comes down, and turns into a snake, turns into klipa, something unholy. Our mission is to take those snakes and bring them right back up to the stick, back to Hashem, to reveal in everything in this world, even that which seems to be such a terrible snake, that that also ultimately is going to be brought right back up to its source, the stick. And Moshe Rabbeinu did this so many years later in the Chumash and Parshas Chukas with the snakes. Remember the snakes that hurt the Jewish people? What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He created a snake and put it up and said, look up there. He showed how the snake goes back to its source. It's still a medical profession. still has that snake thing. You know, that's their emblem. Did you know that? Don't. I don't. The medical profession. Tell them. There's a, they have a, that's their symbol. They have a staff right. and a snake wrapped around the staff. And, and that's going to hold that symbol. That's symbol for doctors. Okay. So says, says the Alter Rebbe that the first time that Moshe Rebbe comes to Paro, he says, this is the story. This is what it's all about. It's about snakes turning, about sticks coming down from Hashem and turning into klipa. And our avodah is going to be to bring it back and bring the snakes back into the sticks and show how everything, show the Kedusha, the holiness and everything, how everything really comes from Hashem. And that's our mission in Mitzrayim. That Mitzrayim and in this Golos until Vesruach Atuma Avrim and Aras. And we'll see how all the snakes in this world are really part of the stick, part of that Hamshach, of that which comes down from Hashem himself.